tuning into the 497th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your host, Daryl D. Lane. As always, wherever you are, however you may be listening, I'm thank you for making me in this show part of your day, whether it be a Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Airbnb, SoundCloud, Pandora, whichever podcasting app or platform you may be listening to me via. Going to have a great podcast for all you guys today. Going to have Landon Rhodes on host, the On the Road Sports Show. We're going to talk some Cavaliers, some NBA basketball, Donovan Mitchell, where he ranks in the NBA hierarchy. Also, second half of the podcast, we talk about Fantasy football, and Landon gives some of his fabulous fantasy football advice. Big record from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, per the new usual. Now, before we get to that conversation with Landon, I'm going to give my shameless plug, as always. First-time listener, thank you, but subscribe and follow right now. Also, share this podcast with your friends and family, whether it be via at the Reds, Facebook groups, etc., etc. Check on the description below, specifically if you use Spotify. I have a timestamp. You can click on the timestamp and we'll send you to whichever part of the podcast you would most like to listen to. Folks, it is for your convenience. Follow me on Twitter at nighttrend underscore lane and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Just type in Daryl Lane. You will find that I post two to five minute clips of this podcast right here, as well as my syndicate show outside the shop. And lastly, if you have Apple or iTunes, give me five stars and a great review. And for some odd reason, right? If you don't like the pod, then fret not, worry not. Just don't say anything because you know what your mama told you. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. And now it's time for one of my monologues that my good friend Kenny Sim loves so very much. You see, roles are a very important thing in professional sports and in any business, right? We see what was going on with Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi on Monday Night Football against the Chicago Bears in Gillette Stadium in Foxborough, Massachusetts, where Patriots fans are chanting, We want Zappi, we want Zappi. Mac Jones throws a pick, comes at the game, Bailey Zappi comes in. Bill Belichick gives us nothing as opposed to who's going to be the quarterback against the New York Jets and the England Patriots' next opponent. And it's playing with fire what Bill Belichick is doing. Roles, they're extremely important. I don't think people really understand it in pro sports. Uh, my good friend Silas, fan of the show, he told me one time, Jared Dudley in the bubble for the Lakers. Does he really deserve his ring? He was just a carry-on. He was just along for the ride. And I'm like, no. You're wrong, Silas. Jared Dudley deserves his ring and more. Just as much as LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Kyle Kuzma, Caldwell Pope, or anybody else. Because he was part of the team and he filled his role. Not everybody's meant to be the star of the movie. Some people need to be a supporting role. Not everybody can be Batman. You need a Robin. You need an Alfred. Not everybody can be a Superman, right? You need a Lois Lane. Not everybody can be Spider-Man. Sometimes you're just the extra who works the Daily Bugle. On a football team, there's a head coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, positional coaches, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, defensive back, defensive line coach, right? You have quality control coordinators, special teams, offense, defense. You have trainers. All these guys, all these people in the organization fill a different role to make the team work and to make the staff work cohesively. Even the ball boys. Even the people who are the locker room managers who hand out the jerseys on game day. 
if one person doesn't value their role and doesn't do it the right way, it leads to chaos. Now, of course, everybody always talks about the head coach. What's the head coach doing? Nobody ever talks about the linebacker's coach isn't doing this, but the linebacker's coach role is important, even though it's not the leading role. But it's still a role that's vital to the success. Because the linebacker's coach is a dope. Then guess what? Your linebackers can't tackle. And maybe that loses you a game on third and one when the team's about to run the ball and your star middle linebacker misses a tackle. Right? Extremely important position, the linebacker's coach. When I worked at a school, there was a principal, assistant principal, teacher, teacher assistant, aide, bus driver, nurse, substitute teacher, which was me, calf workers, janitors. All their roles were important. Not everybody's role got paid the same. Not everybody's role was quote-unquote as valuable. But all of them were extremely important to making the school run. Teachers get paid more than janitors. But guess what? If there's no janitors, who's cleaning up poop? Seriously, who's cleaning it up? Teachers get paid more than cafeteria workers. But who's cooking the meals for the students? See, everybody's role is important. Family structure. Good cop is typically mom. Bad cop is typically dad. You need both of them. Masculinity and femininity. You need both. Just don't need one. See, you all have a role to fill. Quarterbacks. You have a starter, clear starter. Then you have a backup. The backup's job is always to get the starter ready. That is the backup's job. And the backup's job is also to always be ready in case of emergency. Now, Bailey Zappi did his job that way. But make no mistake, folks. You cannot win with two quarterbacks. You can't have two people trying to fill the same role. That's a role of one starting quarterback. Leader of the team, leader of the franchise, the one who comes out after every press conference, win, lose, or draw, and answers the music. The guy who's in the huddle and has control of everything. That is the quarterback. The most important position in the NFL, arguably the most important position in sports. And there's only one. 32 teams, only one. You're not going to play musical chairs with it and be like, oh, we're going to start this quarterback. We're going to start this quarterback. That's not how it works. It does not work. You want one guy getting all the first team reps with the wide receivers, getting chemistry with the offensive line, taking snaps under center from the same center every single day in practice. And the backup's job is to assist the starter in any way he can to the best of his ability. Now, I think Mac Jones is better than Bailey Zappi, but you want to know what? If Bill Belichick has any doubts, then you start Bailey Zappi. And then Mac Jones, guess what, my guy? You're the backup and you get Bailey Zappi ready. But both of them play? No, that doesn't work. That's non grata. No bueno. Not going to work. One of one. One leader, QB1, one position. It's not something you play with. Because if you play with it, you can lose a team and you can't find a rhythm doing it. And this whole, we're going to get a spark, that works in college. That works in high school. This is the big leagues. This is pro football. Business wins and losses. And the teams that have one quarterback... When, and you want to know what else? Typically when you have one quarterback, gets a rhythm with the offensive coordinator, the line, the receivers, 
the team knows who the leader is, who the general is they have to follow, those teams typically won a lot of football games. And I'm not saying you can't have two quarterbacks in the scenario of Drew Brees and Taysom Hill. Drew Brees is the regular starter. Taysom Hill's role, again, like I said, with roles. There's an assistant principal, there's a janitor in the same school. They do different things. Taysom Hill is to come in in the red zone and in third and short, fourth and short situations to run the football in a wildcat scenario for Drew Brees because Drew Brees can't do a certain thing. But the quarterback is Drew Brees. It's not like, oh, one series Drew Brees, one series Taysom Hill. No. Everybody has a role. You fill that role to the best of your ability. Now, cut up next to the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We're going to have Landon Rhodes on the show. Cut up next to the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have a very special guest with us, Landon Rose, host of the On the Road Sports Show. How you doing, man? Doing well, Daryl. Happy to be back on the show. So you've gotten a chance, because you're with Valley Sports right now, right? I am. That's one of, uh, one of, I have to freelance a lot, man. I'm largely with Valley. So you know, right now covering the Cavs. Biggest takeaways from the Cavs early part of the NBA season? Uh, biggest takeaway is that Donovan Mitchell is exactly what we were hoping he would be, which is just a bucket getter. There were times last year where the Cavs just needed a bucket and I couldn't get it. Some people said, you know, it's because Sexton's not there and this and that, which might be the case, but I, I mean, Donovan Mitchell is better than Saxon's probably ever going to be, but just really refreshing to just see a guy who can just go get you some budgets out there. Now, how do you think, what do you think the ceiling is for the Cavs with Donovan Mitchell? Obviously, they were in the play-in last year. They lost to the Nets. Uh, bigger expectations, right? Everybody's just kind of looking at these 76ers aren't doing as well. Uh, a lot of people think what's going on with the Boston situation, maybe even though they're doing well right now, maybe they'll taper off. Where do you see, like, what's the peak ceiling for the Cavs? This year, I've, I've been saying, I think Eastern Conference Finals is like maybe, well, you know, I like to say this best case scenario because obviously a championship is like absolute best case, but. In terms of like reasonable expectation, I think the Eastern Conference Finals is not out of the question this year. And as far as the plan, they actually lost two, unfortunately. They lost to the Nets and then the Hawks the second time was the nail in the coffin. But uh, I think if they had a healthy team last year, they would have easily been in the playoffs. Now, so if I were to tell you they're a seven-game series with Milwaukee. How do you like their chances? Uh, that would probably be about the uh, Eastern Conference Finals, hopefully, which is why I was kind of saying I don't think they're quite where they want to be to like absolutely dethrone a team like that. But on the flip side, I mean, Milwaukee's having injury issues as of right now with uh, 
mean, they're coming in with Middleton already injured. And I mean, Giannis, I'm obviously, I would never root for an injury or anything like that. But I mean, he does take a lot of hits throughout the like, very physical player. Wouldn't be like shocked if he was a little banged up come playoff time. So, I mean, anything can happen in terms of uh, injuries and everything. So just watch out for that. But no, as of right now, I don't think they're on the Bucks level. That's kind of why I was saying I think Eastern Conference Finals. How about Cavs versus Celtics? Cavs versus Celtics, I think we got a shot. I mean, I know it seems weird to say I prefer the Celtics over the Bucks, considering the Celtics just went to the finals. But for whatever reason, I just feel a little better uh, about matching up against the Celtics. When Robert Williams comes back for them, that'll be a little bit different. Um, but I think I think the Cavs match up well with most teams. I mean, we're physical down low, and now we have the offensive firepower that. The one issue, though, once again, is going to be injuries because I just actually just uh, uploaded a video about this the other day about the opening day game against Toronto. Garland gets poked in the eye in the second quarter, only plays 13 minutes, and now he's targeting a turnbull on Friday at this week. But it's just like we're trying to avoid injuries last year because there were so many. And then in game one, we already have one of the classic guy about a week of action. It's just really a trend that I hope to not see develop again. What about Cavs versus 76ers? I feel decent about that. I mean, the thing is, Donovan Mitchell, I don't think he's like a bad defender or anything. He's not really known for his defense though. Uh, and we would need it against like Harvey um, or I'm assuming that would be the matchup would be uh, Mitchell and Harden. Maybe we put like a Coral on him or something. He's more of a defensive guy. But I think any of these teams we could be in a seven-game series, but we need to be fully healthy for that to happen. And really, we're just going to have to wait and see on that for the Cavs. Because like I mentioned already, a uh, pretty significant injury in the first game of the year. Do you have any concerns about you know how small the backcourt is going to be with Donovan and Garland? Because both of them are like, what, 6'3"? Like Garland's probably a little smaller. They're probably like 6'2", 6'1". Yeah, Garland's a little smaller. I don't know. I mean, I don't really have concerns about uh, the size of the guards. I mean, a lot of people want small guards. We lost last year to Trey Young, and I mean, he's not exactly like a huge guy. Um I don't know. I, I that's not really the concern because we're still a big team overall. Like Mobley and Allen are big, and then whoever you put out the three, the third most likely as a starter is big enough. I think they'll be fine. So, what about Cavs versus Nets? Cavs Nets. I I don't really. I think the Nets window is kind of closed. We'll see. I might. I might uh, live to regret saying that, but it just doesn't, I don't know, they tried so many things out, and it's just never seemed to quite work. They always just, there's at least one team in the playoffs that always seems to just trip them up, so whether that be the Cavs or whether that be another team, I don't know, something about them winning the championship this year just doesn't really seem in the cards to me. What do you think Brooklyn would have to do to become a contender? Because, you know, that is kind of the thing that everybody thinks, you know, Brooklyn's a better fantasy team than an actual team in reality. 
Cavs versus Hawks. I think uh, we'll, we'll get them this year. We had some injuries last year. That, I mean, I don't like to blame injuries, but all the same, it's like they, we were pretty banged up. Jared Allen was playing like his first game back off of like breaking his thumb on the, on the rim last year uh, in that game. And he played pretty well, but he definitely wasn't 100%. Give me Jared Allen 100% and... We probably had some other injuries at that point, too. I lost track of all the injuries throughout the year. People also forget that Ricky Rubio is going to be coming back. So Rubio is like a really good veteran, you know, six-man type off the bench for them. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see Ricky Rubio back as well. Cavs versus Heat. How much do you think a potential Cavs run to the East Finals is contingent on how good somebody like Evan Mobley can become by the end of the year? So, Donovan, obviously, that's the big move the Cavs made. Uh, so, I just kind of wonder your thoughts. Where do you think Donovan is in the hierarchy of the NBA? Like, I don't know. Do you think he's a top 10 player? I always said top 15 coming into the year. But, though, I mean, the way he's been playing lately, I, 
Again, I need a list in front of me, but for now, I'll just stay, you know, at top 15 and just be happy with that. But if I got a list in front of me, there could be some movement uh, in that list. Especially how he's been playing lately. They put the entire load on his shoulders, and he's really uh, taken advantage of it with, I think, the most points in the, his first two games of any cab ever. So let's do this then. So. Let's start with, uh, obviously you think Giannis is better, right? Giannis, you take Giannis. Okay. What about LeBron? LeBron? Yeah, LeBron is better. Kawhi? Um, as of right now, no. I mean, the, I don't know. If you're not going to be available to play in like half the games, I mean, I would put I put Mitchell over Kawhi right now. Just because, I mean, being available for your team is literally like, I don't know, that's like a stat at this point. What about Anthony Davis? Um, I'm optimistic that he can maybe have like a healthy issue this year, but no, I'm putting Mitchell over AD right now. I'm also somewhat biased, by the way. <laughs> No, no, it's it's fine, Landon. Uh, Donovan or Jokic? Uh, Jokic, one hundred percent. Yeah, I was expecting that. Jokic is one of your guys, Landon. Yeah, Jokic is the man. He might, I mean, he might win triple MVP here. I don't know. I mean, not if he's going to be playing like he did last night. He had a weird style on last night. I don't know if you saw that, but he had nine, nine, and nine. I was like, okay, so you just barely avoided like a double-double and a triple-double and actually didn't get double digits in any of them. Does it, by the way, does it bother you that Jokic seems to be one of the most... Would you say he's one of the most, the most disrespected superstar in the NBA? I think so. I mean, it doesn't really bother me, but he definitely is. I mean, it seems like everyone's questioning his, you know, his... Uh, back-to-back MVP and people say it's all about the stats and everything which I mean it's true he is all about the stats but there's nothing wrong with that if you're getting wins and I mean the the, uh, shortcomings in the playoffs are not on him that's just 100% how it is he he has absolutely showed out in the playoffs yeah and it's it's interesting too because I can think of like when Russell Westbrook was going through his MVP campaign and the triple-double stuff, everybody lauded Russell Westbrook. And only recently, I think it's become a thing the last few years when everybody's like, okay, you know, Russ is kind of just stat stuff where he's not actually as good as the stats uh, would dictate. And I feel like also Rudy Gobert gets a little bit of the same treatment as Jokic where it's kind of like there's these accolades, Defensive Player of the Year and all this, where people are like, oh, is he really that good? Uh, and it brings me back to, uh, I don't know if you saw this, but last year during the All-Star break, or before the All-Star break when they had uh, on Inside the NBA with Ernie, Chuck, uh, Shaq, and uh, Kenny and all of them. They had LeBron and KD for the picking teams. And they went through like seven, eight guys before they got to Jokic. I think Garland, Darius Garland might have been picked before Jokic. Yeah, I would say a good portion of that might come down to whether they want to play with like a ball-dominant guy. Like, because if LeBron's drafting, I mean, he likes to bring the ball for himself. I, I don't know how much of this goes into it, but I mean, Jokic and Denver, like, does it all. He's like point guard.
talented he is, and when they're waiting to draft him in that, I don't think it's like, we don't think he's good. I think it's more like, I want to draft players I'm going to enjoy playing with type of thing, and I don't know. If you're his teammate, you do enjoy playing with him. Don't get me wrong, and he gets you the best a good distributor. But in the all-star game, I feel like people are looking for highlights and stuff. And they, even though Jokic is such a good passer, I mean, he probably set up a lot of guys with great highlights in the all-star game. But I think a lot of guys are just thinking about dribbling it up the floor themselves and doing some kind of crazy dunk. And they don't really want, you know, big Jokic to call for the ball and the inbounds and just bring it up at like two miles an hour. No, I just more so mean, I think the way he's viewed is, not that I don't think he's good, but I think if you were to add, I don't, I don't think Kevin Durant and LeBron James think Jokic is a top five player in the NBA. And obviously both of them probably think they're better than him. But uh, I, I don't think if you were to ask both of them, I don't think they think he's a top five. I, I think, I would say if you were to pull most players in the NBA, and, and I don't actually agree with this, I think Jokic is a top five player. I think he would not come out by the majority as a top five player. While I think if you were to make it more, if you were to pull the media, Jokic would be like in the top three. I just think there's a discrepancy based off the pool of people you would ask. Yeah, there definitely is. I want to say that actually a poll like that might have been actually done recently. I want to say that I heard something about Jokic being much lower than he should have been on like a player's poll or something. Now, how about uh, Donovan or Luca? Luca. Donovan or Steph? Um, Steph. But the, like, the, excuse me, there is a little bit of <clears throat> there is a little bit of injury uh, concern with Steph at this point. But it's like I think like Mitchell and him are kind of. They might be right next to each other on on the list, but I'll give it to Steph out of respect right now. Jokic or Joel? Jokic. Really? How close do you think it is between Jokic or Joel? Um, I mean, pretty close. They each led, you know, they had the edge over each other, I think, and... A couple stats each last year, but just overall, I'm gonna give it to Jokic. I just, I don't know. I think he's more of a team leader. He does a bit of everything. Embiid is a great, like you know, prototypical big man, and he can shoot the three a little bit too. But Jokic just does it all. Like I don't know. You put Embiid on Denver, and I don't think he really has the success that Jokic has had, and. Play Jokic on the Sixers, and I honestly think they might win a championship. I mean, I, that makes it sound like I, I hate him, beat or something, and it's not that. It's just I don't know. I feel like if you give Jokic some stars around him, and don't get me wrong, Jamal Murray's great, but he plays like three games a season, and uh, Michael Porter Jr. good, win healthy again. There seems to be a bug in Denver where Jokic seems to be the only one who can stay healthy for some reason. How about Donovan or Joel? Uh, Joel. 
Donovan or Ja? Uh, I'll give it to Ja for now. Just the way, if you ask me to put a season started, I, I probably still would have said Ja, actually, but he really started the year hot this year. Donovan or Tatum? Tatum. I think Tatum is that. Like, I think Tatum's going to win an MVP this year, potentially. Donovan or Jimmy Butler? At this point, give me Donovan. Donovan or Devin Booker? Um, I that one's tough. That one's awesome. Like that Corey range. Uh, based on recent performances, give me Mitchell. Donovan or Paul George? Donovan or James Harden? Harden. Begrudgingly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I like Harden fine. I don't really, you know, the whole foul baiting stuff is kind of annoying, but I have nothing against Harden. I actually think I like Harden a lot more than most NBA fans. Donovan or Kyrie? Donovan or Damian Lillard? Um, I'm going to, I'm saying Donovan because of injuries. Donovan or Trey Young? Uh, Trey. Donovan or Carl Anthony Towns? Donovan or Zion? Donovan. So. Again, injuries. There's a 0% chance of putting Zion over him. Unless we're going to say just like get healthy, and then that would change my answer for probably a lot of these. So here's who you had over Donovan. I mean, uh, Katie, Giannis, LeBron, Luka, Jokic, Steph, Joel, Ja. Tatum, you gave Booker the edge, Harded the edge, and Kyrie. So that's about twelve people. So you have yeah, top, you have them top fifteen around thirteen ish. Yeah, I think I was. I thought I said I put him over Booker too. Oh, Booker, you did. But I'm pretty sure. But it is, it is what it is. It only changes the spot by. You know, whatever one. It's yeah, it's the range I thought, top fifteen, but like on the verge of breaking top ten. There are like a, a couple of guys probably around the like the ten range who I said it could go either way. What does Donovan need to do to break into the top ten? Uh, I mean winning a championship goes a long way, that's for sure. Um Outside of that, I, well, if he keeps playing like he's been playing to start this year, there's no doubt. It's just, I'm curious to see what his stats look like when Garland is back. I think, I mean, the scoring will be at least a little bit down because Garland's going to take some of that usage. But uh, 
even like deep playoff runs, like you know, they went on some little runs with the Jazz, but like, on, and a lot of it wasn't his fault because like I remember him going absolutely crazy. I think it was in the bubble uh, playoffs, and so like he was putting the team on his back. But those Jazz teams just came up short. It seemed like uh, on expectations over and over again. So I think it would help him a lot to just you know, go deep in the playoffs at least. Um, and then, yeah, and then we can discuss it again, look at his stats, and maybe a couple of guys in the top ten take some major steps back as well. Like, it doesn't always have to be about Mitchell making huge strides. Like, if he just stays consistent and some of those older guys that I put over him, you know, start to show their age, he could easily crack top ten without even, like, improving all that much. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break and then kind of next to the break on Barbershop Sports Talk we're going to talk a little fantasy football. Kind of next to the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. AFC Championship game. Your kicker's lining up for an onside kick. The chances of regaining possession are slim. Stakes are high. Tensions even higher. Mothers anxiously waiting. Children in the stands ready to cry if their team goes home and doesn't get a chance to go to the Super Bowl. Your pulse racing. He kicks... And you watch as the ball lands. Recovered. Onside kick. Oh my gosh. Touchdown, Josh Allen. The Bills. They're going back to the Super Bowl. Only in my dreams, right? Now, make every play feel this exciting with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And their unbeatable offers. Right now, new customers can make any $5 NFL bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. To make this even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TPPN to get $200 in free bets. If your team wins, just place a $5 bet on any football game. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook using code TPPN. Oh, we're back with the Barbershop Sports Talk. We still have Landon Rhodes with us. So, Landon, you're a big fantasy guy. Uh, you talk a lot of fantasy on your show. So tell me, just the people who are listening out there, what is your biggest fantasy football pet peeve? My biggest fantasy football pet peeve? Um, well, I mean, I don't... One of them is when people ask me to, you know, give my thoughts on their team, and then I come to find out that their team is like a three-person league or like a five-person league or some, something like that, six-person league, whatever. And, I mean, I'm just saying right now, if you're not in at least a ten-person league, I probably have no interest in giving you my thoughts on your team. Ideally, it's a twelve-person league. It's just I can't really assess, you know, oh, wow, you have all 
you know, like Pro Bowl players. That's really great. You have six people in your league. Like, there's not much for me to assess. Like, there's not going to be any sleepers or anything like that if you're in a small league. So, I guess my thought to you is, you know, asking me to rate a team when it's a very small league. So, okay, how about this? I'm in a 15-person league. I'll give you my team right now. Okay, give me your thoughts, Landon. Okay. So, my quarterback's Patrick Mahomes. My uh, my running back is Kenneth Walker. Okay, is that a waiver pickup? Uh, no, I uh, draft and stash from the beginning. Okay, good. Buying my time, and he sadly uh for uh, their other running back, I don't wish injury, but uh you know, sorry for Penny, but uh, it happened. Uh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Raheem Mosert. That's my RB2. Yeah, he, he kind of took over Michael Pittman Jr. Good, but I'm curious to see how that's going to develop after the new quarterback. Devontae Adams. Yep, good, of course. Gerald Everett is my tight end. Chris Olave's my flex. Oh yeah, that's solid. My defense is the Broncos. Good. And my kicker is Brett Maher from Dallas. Yeah, it's solid. I mean, we should be scoring more with that back now. Yeah, that sounds pretty good top to bottom. I mean, I mean the, the running backs would probably be my most concern just because I feel like there's a decent chance that any given week, like Moster or Walker, one of the two might have like a subpar game. But, you know, it's, those are starting running backs, so I can't complain. And I'll, I'll give you my bench, too. So, uh, Darnell Mooney, Romeo Dobbs, Taysom Hill, Khalil Herbert, Wandell Robinson, and Dante uh, Foreman. Oh, yes, with the Panthers? Yes. Yeah, that's solid. He's got a lot of kills last week, but even though they made cover of the start of that, um, I really like that. I like him in a bunch of leagues, too. Yeah, that sounds pretty solid. I mean, you got some other receiver options, too, you know, if anything happens to your starters or a bye week or whatever. Definitely for a 15-man uh, league, that's kind of uh, stacked. So that's a team that can win a championship. Potentially, yeah. I mean, I'd have to see the rest of the league, but obviously we're not trying to break down everyone's team in the league, but I don't see any reason why, you know, if everything lines up correctly, we could get a solid output week to week with that. So, I have another question for you. In a lot of leagues, people don't do trades. Why do you think that is? Uh, I think a lot of leagues that people are very fantasy experience and I think there's always concerns that they're going to be rip-offs stuff like that that's my best guess but it does kind of bother me when people shoot down trades right away without even like thinking it through I mean in one of my leagues I offered a guy who is I think 0-6 or 0-7 now what is it 0-6 how many weeks have I done I'm losing track for this 0-6 
whichever one it is, but I offered him a trade, you know, some depth for a better player. I don't remember the details of it, but it was it was also like by no means a rip off. It was it was like a two for one. I gave him two like pretty good players for like a solid player. And he got shot down literally like within five minutes of the offer. It, it got declined. No counter offer, no anything. It's just like Come on, man. Like, clearly you got to change something up. Your team hasn't won a game this whole season, and you're not even going to consider a trade. I mean, that's like kind of stubborn and it makes the league less fun. Yeah, so I'll tell you this. So in my league, there's actually a lot of trades. So, like, in the beginning, there was, like, a few trades a week. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and actually, my team I gave you, Almost all of those guys were not on my roster at the beginning of the draft process. Only a few. So I was a major culprit as well. But there were a lot of other people. I would say out of the 15 guys, seven of them have made trades. Seven to eight. So basically half the league has been making trades. And yeah, no, I like trading. And I, I had someone from the league, he texted me and he was like, you know what, Daryl? He's like, you know, this is kind of weird. Uh, and he was basically like, you know, I find it weird when people do trades. And his whole thing was, he thinks it's weird because he just thinks the whole point of fantasy is to work the waiver wire. Okay. What would you say to somebody like I, that? I, I, disagree. I mean, I disagree. I mean, why would, I don't know. Like, you can disable trades like in the menu as the league commissioner. So if that's really like that big of a deal, then just disable them. But, um, no, I mean, I disagree. It's not true. Trading is a, you know, is a big part of sports, fantasy, and real life. Like, trades happen. People have different needs throughout the year. I mean, the waiver wire is, you know, a big piece of it. But, I mean, back in trading, you can make a solid waiver wire ad and then later on include that person in a trade to upgrade something else. So it's not like they're like, you know, mutually exclusive. Like we can all kind of tie into one if you make a great waiver pickup and later on you, you know, send them off or something. There's, I don't know. I guess what I'm saying is that a combination of them is best. I mean, don't totally ignore the waiver wire, of course, but nothing wrong with some trades. So I'll also tell you why I think there's a lot of trades in the group. Uh, I found something interesting. I, I think when you actually call people and you text them about trades before you send out a trade, uh, do the fantasy forum, there's a better chance of the trade actually happening. And I would say it's not even close. I would I would say it would skew 90%. Because then somebody might be like, no, and then you can kind of give them your case. And then maybe butter them up a little bit. And they'll be like, okay, maybe. And they'll be like, well, you need this. Yeah, and it is interesting, too, the whole premise of fantasy. People always think they're getting gypped off and uh, having too much value in their own guys. Uh, 
I just find that, that that's a weird thing uh, that that does go on, and I've definitely sensed yeah, that. I've definitely sensed that from some people. Uh, what is your feeling on waiver wire? Like, how do you make a good waiver wire pickup? Like, how should somebody really work the waiver wire, make it work for them, and kind of you know scour the weeds? do you think people should focus on uh, what team somebody's playing? So, for example, uh, if you're a defense or whatever and you're playing the Buffalo Bills, how much do you think somebody should you know, put that into consideration? Or let's say it's you have Justin Jefferson and he's playing. I know you're not very high on Jalen Ramsey, but just let's for the topic of conversation, let's just say it's Jalen Ramsey. <laughs> I, I know you might be like, oh, definitely play Justin Jefferson then. <laughs> Week one, uh, a 
people in Chicago, Niners are Chicago, they played in like a tsunami. Um, and like that was gonna be a pretty uh, mistake filled defensive game. So, you know, usually for fantasy baseball is when you focus on the weather, but I'm telling you for football it really doesn't hurt to pay attention to that weather before, especially if you have uh, one of the defenses. So you probably had, did you have the Niners defense that week? That week, yeah, yeah. So, you know, the Bears still won. But. When you have a, like, let's say you have a flex that you're on the edge of out, right? Uh, and let's use an example of, let's say, uh, you have, well, I don't know, I'll ask you, what's a good example? Like a running back, let's say Raheem Mostert. Or uh, you'd consider him a good flex, right? Yeah. Versus, uh, let's think, uh, Michael Thomas? That'd be a good example, Michael Thomas, Rui Mozart? Um, if it's healthy, sure, yeah. Then, like, then how do you figure out kind of that matchup? Because, you know, both are kind of number one options on their team. Yeah, I tend to go running back in that situation. Uh, this year, I've had pretty bad luck. Like, I played the running back when I should have played the receiver, and then, like, the other way around, like, the very next week. It, all I'd say about that, I, it we can't even talk about. All I'd say about it is that it involved J.K. Dobbins being on my bench. The one week, he actually did something. Um, but other than that, yes, running back is what I tend to lean towards in my flex. Also, this is very important for anyone playing fans. This will help you out. If you have somebody playing Thursday night or even like 1 o'clock Sunday, those should be the guys locked into your actual like positional places in your lineup. Because if you have a Thursday night running back or something in your flex, and let's say like I don't know, you don't really, you have a backup wide receiver you like, okay, but maybe you don't have like a backup running back, and then like one of your running backs pops up with an injury on Sunday, you're going to have no choice. You're going to have to put one of those running backs in, whereas if you locked him into your running back spot, you'd still have your flex spot open. So never clog your flex spot up with a Thursday night player, and like I said, it can go... It can go all the way to, you know, Sunday at 1. Really, you want to have the players playing, um, you know, last in your flex if you can do it. What would your advice be to somebody who, let's say, they only have one win, zero wins in the season, and they're trying to get back into things, kind of make a push towards the playoffs? What would your advice be to somebody that kind of has a team in that situation? I would say make some ads any way you can if it has to be through the waivers but sure if it has to be through trades that's fine but the, here's the thing about it not all bad fantasy teams are good equal some teams have had bad matchups the whole season and that's just I have a team just like that I'm like 2-4 and four, um, and I've scored 3 less points than the best team in the whole league that's undefeated. I literally, the point differential between their team and my team, my four-win difference is three points. 
not because of what their team did or because of what my team did, but because of what teams I went against did, which is light me up for like the second most points against in the league or something like that. So you first need to identify if your team is losing because the teams you're going against are popping off or if it's your team is actually not scoring a lot of points. That's step one. Because if it's your team, then you got to change something. But if it's the other team, I would honestly say don't panic. I know that sounds stupid if you have a really bad losing record, but if your team is putting up enough points to be competitive week to week, and other teams just happen to be absolutely lighting it up, that's not really, that's not really anything to correct. What would you say is a good uh, average point total for a team fan? Let's say you're in a 16-person league. Or what's the average league people are in? Like 12? Is that 12? 20, I think, is the average. Okay, so 12. I'm, I'm, I'm looking to get over 120 if I can. Um, that hasn't happened many weeks this week, but that's where I'm doing pretty good. Like, I have a good chance to win it probably if I get over 120. I don't have any actual stats in front of me right now to say, like, this is the amount that you usually get a win at, but just my gut feeling is telling me about 120. Landon, I'm thankful for coming on the podcast, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, Jeff, thanks for having me. And once again, I want to thank Landon Rhodes for coming on the show. I appreciate it. And I want to thank all of you for tuning into this episode. The 497th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk.